I got all these people behind me. Why are they here? I mean, we're not giving away donuts. We're here for one thing. Did you know that there's a secret subway tunnel right underneath me? I didn't know that either. But this man did. His name is Bob Diamond. Well, the best place to start is at the beginning, usually, so it's in some kind of context. Bob Diamond was the one-man band behind the discovery of the tunnel under Atlantic Avenue in 1980. My name is Bob Diamond. This is the entrance to the world's oldest subway tunnel, which is under Atlantic Avenue in downtown Brooklyn, New York. Bob was 20 years old when he struck adolescent gold, the tunnel, gummed up, buried, and largely forgotten under a well-trafficked Brooklyn street. Bob threw himself into the rail fan community in Brooklyn. He advocated for funding and gave walking tours of the tunnel for years. And I got to be in there for, what, 32 years or something? <laughs> but in 2010, the city revoked his contract. And the reason I got kicked out is because we finally found that locomotive. Back in 1979, on a day not unlike this one, you know, dark, rainy, I put the radio on and the news came on. Good morning, this is Gil Gross. Keep tuned for the day's top news. Apparently my eye and my brain just can't work hand in hand. Let's see what's happening on this day in New York. Uh, Gil Gross show. Says, oh, uh, a new book just came out, and according to this person's research, John Wilkes Booth was never captured. He really escaped and died in Texas. The way he escaped was he hid inside this tunnel under Atlantic Avenue next to the steam locomotive that's laying on its side under Atlantic Avenue near Columbia Street. So I was like, what did I just hear? What is this? What do I sign up for this thing? A 19-year-old Bob and his mom called up the radio station. Gil Gross didn't know anything about the tunnel, but he put Bob in touch with the book's author, G.J.A. O'Toole. So I called G.J.A. O'Toole, and I said, hey, what's up with the tunnel? At first, O'Toole didn't know what Bob was talking about. And then... He goes, oh, that tunnel. Someone told me about it when I was a kid. Supposedly, uh, Murder Incorporated used to dump dead bodies down there. I thought it would be interesting to embellish my book, he says. So I went to, like, every library in the city, and I pulled out old newspapers on microfilm and microfiche, dusty books where the paper's so old it crumples into dust while you're turning the pages. A great railroad at work is a title full of meaning. It was built by Cornelius Vanderbilt in 1844 as part of a much longer chain of railroads that ran from Boston down to Charleston, South Carolina. Trains back then didn't have air brakes, so if a train was shoving along at 30 miles an hour and then a little kid ran in front of it, it would take 900 feet to stop, which is two long city blocks. So by the time you stopped your train, you ran someone over or cut a cow in half or smashed up somebody's wagon. <laughs> the railroad didn't really care about the liability of running people over or anything because they couldn't be sued. They did get upset though because it messed up their timetable. So they decided to build a tunnel under Atlantic Avenue to get the trains off the surface of the street. But Bob wasn't just digging up railroad history. He was exhuming ghosts. A lot of people died down there because they fell off the train while it was moving. So a lot of weird stuff went on. They reported poltergeist activity from the very first day it opened, that uh, pebbles would come flying in through the train windows even though nobody was down there throwing them. Stories about bootleggers and counterfeiters hiding down there. And supposedly they hid their goodies down in this tunnel. 
And according to a newspaper article in the New York Times from the 1890s, when you went down into the treasure chamber under the street, you didn't need a torch because there was so much gold that it glowed in the dark by itself. Then, you know, H.P. Lovecraft wrote stories about it. Alistair Crowley wrote stories about it. I am a writer of Tales of the Uncanny. I suppose my work is intended to fill the gaps occupied in years past by religion. Walt Whitman wrote stories about it after it was closed up in 1861. It became sort of like Brooklyniana. Meanwhile, I located this one manhole cover in the middle of the street using an old map that seemed to be the one that went inside. So I went into the gas company office, and the chief engineer of the gas company is there, and he goes, what do you need for this, Bob? I said, well, they said that there's seven-foot man-eating rats running around in that tunnel and maybe alligators, so I'm going to need a ten-foot-long Sicilian toothpick crowbar to beat up these alligators. And he goes, yeah, what else well, do you need? poison gas from World War I down there that the Germans were brewing. So I'm going to need a gas mask and an air tank. And he goes, yeah, yeah you need anything else? Send out a couple of uh, big guys with sledgehammers and big crowbars to break through the stone wall. So I went home that night, and I'm all excited, and I went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark that just opened up. We've got some information here, but we can't make anything out of it, and maybe you can. Oh, well, the city of Tannis is one of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. So I'm going to sleep that night, and I'm thinking about finding the Lost Ark of the Covenant and digging around and doing all this cool stuff. All of a sudden, I'm, like, getting shaken, and it's my mom, and she's like, wake up. I'm like... What are you talking about? It's four o'clock in the morning. I got five hours. She goes, no, get up, something stinks. You told them where the manhole was, right? This was too easy. She said to me, get over there right now because you're about to get robbed. When Bob arrived, the whole street was blocked off. They had engineers and trucks and about a hundred people running around and they were closing up the manhole. According to Bob, the gas company didn't want to work with a kid. So they took his research and the tip about the location of the tunnel, and tried to sidestep him. When Bob showed up, the gas company still hadn't found anything, and they were about to give up. So I said, can I take a look for myself? And he goes, okay, you got five minutes. So they tied this cable around me. They gave me an air tank, a gas mask, and a walkie-talkie. They attached a belt with a cable. And they said, you have exactly five minutes to crawl around in there, and then if you don't come out yourself, we're just going to drag you out with this cable. I crawl 60 feet, so I'm laying there, shoved into this crevice with this air tank on my back, banging on the brick roof, and I'm like, okay, now what do I do? So I said, well, what did Indiana Jones do when he couldn't quite find the opening to the well of the soul? Well, he knew where to dig, and he just began digging by hand like a dog. So I began just clawing away at that dirt. A few handfuls of dirt, and Bob was looking at a concrete wall and a plugged up doorway. He had found a way in. All I could do was laugh, because all that went through my head were all these experts telling me there's no such place, that they looked for it when they were kids and they couldn't find it, therefore it didn't exist. Bob radioed up for reinforcements. So we're all laying there for about three or four hours, picking away at these bricks that were plugging up this doorway, and then we got an opening popped through, and this big blast of cold air came out from the other side, just like in Raiders of the Lost Ark when they opened up that tomb. And once you get in there, you don't hear any sound. It's like New York City never existed. And the air is all different because it was air that was bottled up in 1861. So it smells different, you know, it had a lot of oxygen in it. And it was a lot nicer in there than it was out in the street. 
Brooklyn Independent Television. Now, how did you discover? I mean, were you, you know, you're walking down, you heard the ghost. How, how did this happen? Well, it was really by accident. I wasn't really looking for the title, but it kind of just was looking for me, really. But we got a wide spectrum of people. I mean, we got college professors, we got computer geeks, we got occult researchers, we had ghost hunters, we had architecture students studying it. When the tunnel was closed up, we were pulling in 500 people a day at its peak right before it was closed. Dr. Jones, again, we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. December 2010. It was like about two weeks after these people from a big media organization approached me and said they wanted to do a documentary about the tunnel and about looking for the locomotive. So I can't say who they are, but look at the, the old newspaper articles. You'll see who it was. I just can't say. It was National Geographic. They said, we don't believe for one minute there's a locomotive down there, but you looking for it makes for good television. You know, you're a little eccentric and, you know, you tell good tales. National Geographic hooked Bob up with new resources. A cesium vapor magnetometer. And with new tools and an old map, they began hunting for the locomotive. So they scanned the street, and when they got to the spot where I told them, there it was. You could see the image on the screen, this bright red image, because it's so filled up with magnetic energy. That bright red image was the closest anyone ever came to finding Bob's locomotive. This is where Bob's story gets muddy. Just weeks after National Geographic's cesium vapor magnetometer detected a 20-foot something under Atlantic Avenue, Bob and the Nat Geo team were shut out of the tunnel. Officially, the FDNY shut the tunnel down for safety reasons. But it's unclear why, if the tunnel was unsafe or a fire hazard, Bob's tours went unchecked for so many years. An article in The Verge blames gentrification for the sudden shutdown. Bob blames everyone. He blames National Geographic for involving the Smithsonian, and the Smithsonian for carelessly digging without permission. I said, look, this isn't, this isn't like grave robbing in Ethiopia. This is New York. You will get caught. So they went out there, they began digging up the street, and they got caught. So that's He how blames a group called the Professional Archaeologists of New York City for conspiring against him from, from the me. beginning. They wrote this nasty letter to the city saying that only they should be allowed to go inside because they're professional archaeologists from Columbia University and NYU. And he blames and former mayor, Michael Bloomberg. He blew a fuse because everything had to be about him. He's the superstar. No one else is allowed to be on TV for anything involving the city except for him. I guess he has like a Napoleonic complex or something. In his words, Bob is 99.999% sure that the train is down there. He has spent the past several years trying to get back in the tunnel. I mean, I still get people calling here trying to get appointments for tunnel tours. When's the last time they called for a tunnel tour appointment, Sherry? Just this week. Yeah. After Bob was kicked out of the tunnel, he withdrew from the rail fan community. He has spent the past few years tangled up in lawsuits against the DOT, the FDNY, and National Geographic. He says that he has suffered PTSD over the fight for the tunnel. In the six and a half years since Bob has seen the inside of the tunnel, he has had plenty of time to tell his story over and over again, in his head and out loud. Oh, well, it's like a story that you would read to a kid right before bedtime, you know, and it's kind of like David versus Goliath. 
And everyone likes the David and Goliath story, where David wins once in a while. And in the interim, his obsession with reclaiming the tunnel that defined him has only intensified. My bill is going to be a request to hand back the tunnel, except with something modified in the agreement that I can never get kicked out of there again based on the whim of some office worker sitting in a cubicle who's never even been down there. Indiana Jones. <sighs> Always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door.